Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines to talk all things NFL. And John, we appreciate you as always, my man. The Raiders are 0-2. There's a handful of teams that are 0-2, including their next opponent, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, those, those are AFC teams, John, and we know that the AFC West is going to be a dog and the AFC in general is going to be a dog. How critical is it for one of these teams, which one of them obviously will, but how critical is it to get on the, the right side of winning uh, early in the season so you don't fall too far behind? Well, Q, of course, it's important to win. But all these stats about teams that start 0-2 or 0-3 in the Super Bowl, the playoffs, they play 17 games now. And so those are all with 16-game season. So really it gives you a chance to lose a game you should win and still have a chance to rebound. At least the Raiders can score points. You know, the Titans and basically the AFC South, which is the worst division, and the Raiders get to play all four teams. It's the perfect time to play the AFC South because it's awful. And the Raiders, of course, play in the toughest division. But the Titans, unless Derrick Henry is running the ball like he used to, their offense is terrible. they got to be able to use play action. They traded their best receiver, A.J. Brown, to Philadelphia. He had 10 catches for 155 yards in their first game victory over the Lions. And so they don't have the receivers. Now their left tackle, Taylor Lewan's on crutches after getting hurt in the first series of Sundays of the last night's loss to uh, Buffalo. So they're not the same team. You know, they Ryan Tannehill threw a pick six. They don't have their best pass rusher, Harold Landry, but everybody's got issues. Right. But the Titans, the saving grace that they have is they're in a terrible division. There's no saving grace for the Raiders because they're in – a great division. Right. You know, you're right about that. And, John, have you ever covered a team, and I know you've covered the league for a very long time, but have you ever covered a team that went into the season with sky-high expectations only to get out to a flat start like the Raiders have so far? I don't think that you can say, you know, they're off to a losing start, but I don't think you mean they were flat because they scored points and they could turn the ball over too much. To me, flat is what happens when you come out and you get trampled, right? And you get trampled early, like Indianapolis. Indianapolis was down twenty to three to the Texans. Then they get beat twenty-four to zero at Jacksonville. And if you go back, think of how excited their fans were, and they were, but they never admit it. They get to start against the Texans and the Jaguars, the two worst teams in the division, and they were tied by the Texans and shut out by the Jaguars. That's a team that's flat. What would you say about the way that the Raiders lost their game on Sunday after being up 20-0? to zero? Like you mentioned, they scored <laughs> points, but they didn't score points in the second half. They only scored three. What was the stat I saw that um, it's the first time in history there have been three teams come down, come mm-hmm. back? Was it, was it 20 to nothing at any point in the fourth quarter? No, it was it was twenty to nothing at halftime, and then they uh, and then the Titans or the uh, the Cardinals were able to score uh, in the I third think quarter. It was three teams in the same weekend overcome 20-point deficits in the second half and win. And what happened with Kyler Murray at the end, and, you know, people think because he's small and he's fast, he doesn't have a great arm. He's got a great arm. Mm-hmm. And he showed it on that last on the last pass under the back of the end zone. And you know, his mobility 
he, the closest thing I've seen to Kyler Murray was Michael Vick, and that's not just straight ahead speed. That's speed all over the field, uh, opportunity to buy to buy time. And I felt bad for the Raiders to lose on a play like that, but they got nobody to blame but themselves. And I'm sure it's disheartening for everybody, but you know they ought to win this game against the Titans. I don't think the Titans crowd will be any more. They'll be. Raider Nation will turn out. Nashville's a great city. People like to go there and watch their team play. Number one, there's so many people from other states who are there. It's kind of like a smaller Houston. And I'll guarantee you the Raiders are going to have a whole lot of fans at that game and, and may turn it into uh, their Allegiant Stadiums. <laughs> not yeah, south. Right, Raiders right. Stadium south. <laughs> All right. uh, a southern home game right there for the Raiders there in Nashville. Again, we're talking with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. How about Jalen Hurts? Uh, he, he went out there and had a heck of a performance last night with the Eagles. And to me, John, he must have done something in the offseason. Or, or so, he's been working really hard. He looks like he's really matured at that quarterback position. What are your thoughts on Jalen? I've been keeping up with him since he played high school in Houston, then, of course, went to Alabama and transferred to Oklahoma. He's always been a leader, a class act, and a really intelligent guy. His dad's football coach here in high school. And and the way he handled his demotion from Tua Tungvaluwa at Alabama told people everything you need to know about him. Now, they wanted Deshaun Watson. They were one of the first teams to make an offer early last season Watson rejected them, didn't want to go to Philadelphia. He had the no-trade clause, and the only place he wanted to go was Miami. And so they had to keep Hurts. It's his third year. He's improved in his second and third years. He's a really good runner, and he bowled his way into the end zone, running for a touchdown like a running back. You don't like to see your quarterback doing it, but that's who he is. He's not as fast or as elusive as uh, Lamar Jackson, but, man, he's a smart runner. And he's strong. And, of course, he's pretty fast, too. Their running game is great. They led the NFL rushing last year. Hugh, as you know, if you can run the ball, it takes pressure off the quarterback and it keeps your defense fresh. And that's why I'm surprised more teams don't make an effort to run the ball unless you've got a great quarterback who's capable of scoring on almost any possession. John, you mentioned Tua Tungavailoa there when you were talking about Jalen Hurts, but has Mike McDaniel looked like the best offseason coach in hire? <laughs> you know, uh, if my general manager had drafted Jalen Waddle last year and traded for Tyreek Hill this year, and uh, those guys were fabulous on Sunday, yes, if they were coach of the year right now, Mike McDaniel would win it. I, every time I see McDaniel, to me, he just so... Uh, small, like the wind would blow him over, and he stands and he talks so low. And I remember when he was quality control guy in Houston, when Kyle Shanahan was receivers coach, then the offensive coordinator under Gary Kubiak, before both of them left to go to uh, Washington when Mike Shanahan became the head coach. And Mike was very, very introspective guy, and he and Shanahan are best friends, and Kyle took great care of him until he got his first head coaching job. And right now, the Dolphins look really smart. And if they somehow were to upset the Bills, who everybody has ticketed to win the Super Bowl, can you imagine 
in South Florida, they might actually sell most of the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. And, you know, while we're talking about the uh, Bills, or, you know, obviously the next opponent for the Dolphins, what have you thought of the 2-0 and start to the Bills? They just, to me, they look so dominant, John. They dominated defending Super Bowl champion. They dominated last night the team that had on-field advantage in the AFC last year, despite losing Derrick Henry for eight or nine games. And, and they look great on both sides of the ball. And they can overcome mistakes because they have so much talent. Josh Allen is so good. And he had two interceptions in that Rams game. They still blew him out. You know, Von Miller's helped their pass rush. Von Miller's a great leader. I've been watching him since he's at Texas A&M. And throughout his career, you know, he's hungry to get that third Super Bowl ring with three different teams. So uh, the people there that uh, that run that franchise, and Sean McDermott has done a hell of a job as the head coach, Van Bean as the GM, that's your ideal organization. They rebuilt them. And something that I thought about last night, and I tweeted this, on January 4th of 2020, the Texans beat the Bills in a wild-card game. The defense worked over Josh Allen. He made some bad mistakes in the fourth quarter. Now he's favored to win a Super Bowl. LA may go unbeaten, and the Texans are still trying to call, crawl out of the toilet bowl. <laughs> Talking right now with John McClain here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, unfortunately, in San Francisco, Trey Lance goes down. He's out for the season. Luckily, they have Jimmy G. But as far as Trey Lance goes, John, we've talked about it a lot. He doesn't have a lot of football experience. Now it's another season gone by that he's not going to be able to play. How much of a setback is that going to be for Trey? He's a, he's a great athlete. He's really smart. He's a good guy. Kyle Shanahan loves him. And people say, oh, he traded three number one picks for him. Well, he did, but he gave he got one back. So really, it was only two. He played one game his last year at North Dakota State, and I, I think he started one last year, and now he's calling the second game of the season. The Niners were so lucky on Garoppolo because they tried every way in the world to trade him. Nobody wanted him coming off surgery on his throwing shoulder, redid his contract, two things his agent did, very smart. 250 grand every game he plays, thinking, okay, yeah, Trey Lance, odds are he's not going to go the distance, but so Jimmy G may make 500 or 750 out of that, so it looks like he's going to make more than $5 million. And he's unrestricted after the season. They agreed not to tag him. So if he plays well and helps the Niners go back to the playoffs, and perhaps get to the championship game again, he's going to be unrestricted. And he's a popular guy. Everybody likes him. Think about, wouldn't you like to be his agent after the mm-hmm. season? Yep. Mike Evans got suspended after going after Marshawn Lattimore for the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers there. Have you seen it? it will it work for a player to try to appeal a one-game suspension with only a week in between to get that, uh, that appeal heard and get the sentence reduced? I think it's because of who they play. He wants to play. They need him. They're so desperate. They signed Cole Beasley. Um, He should have been suspended because he's a repeat offender. This goes back to 2017. And back then, he was taken up for his teammate. This time, he's got to exercise a little maturity and, and not do what he did. I'll tell you what got me. It wasn't Brady throwing his surface pro or having a fit. It was Bruce Arians being on the sideline 
and acting like he was still coaching. He's not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And then the Bucks lied and said he didn't have a seat in the press box, which is BS. They had bought four suites for that game. I would find the NFL. I would find the Buccaneers for letting Bruce Arians be on the sideline, tell him, get your butt back in the press box or don't go on the road. So, no, I mean, that's that's real, though. That's real. He sure was on the, bar- the sideline barking like he was a coach, like he was the head coach still at Tampa Bay, and he's definitely not. John, before we let you go, want to ask you about the Cowboys. They they pulled off a victory with uh, Cooper Rush on Sunday. Uh, do you think that they can kind of weather the storm while Dak is out? Boy, before Dak got hurt, they weren't doing squat. Nope. They looked terrible yep. against the Bucks. Tampa Bay's where they are, 2-0, because of their defense, not because of Brady or the offense, other than Leonard Fournette. So I think Cooper Rush is a great story. Tony Romo sat for three years before he got to play. Jason Garrett won his first two starts, and now Rush has. He's players love him. Sherry Jones keeps acting like Dak's coming back in three more games, and if he doesn't, everybody's going to think, oh, my God, he had a setback. He ought to just quit talking about Dak and throw, his, throw himself behind Cooper Rush because mm-hmm. he's the guy for at least three more games, and if they continue to win – They'll stay right up there with the Eagles and the NFC East. Michael Parsons, is he not the best defensive player in the league right now? If the vote were for NFL Defense Player of the Year today, he'd win it. He might win it at the end of the year after being NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year last year. That guy is a beast. Yes, he's incredible. Love watching Michael Parsons go out there and compete. John, uh, what do you got coming out on gallerysports.com? What are you working on for Sports Radio 610? I have uh, Texans observations on Sports Radio 610, a report card for their loss to Denver, 16-7. to I have a column on uh, Gallery Sports about Davis Mills, our quarterback's been terrible. He's got to be better, and I'm working on one now about Lovey Smith going back to Chicago where he was fired after a 10-6 and season and where he lost twice as Tampa Bay's head coach, so he would like to win again in the city where he still owns a home. John, I was watching, kind of monitoring that Bronco-Texans game from a distance while the Raiders were playing. I was in the press box, obviously, at Allegiant Stadium. What was it that the Texans were doing so well that was keeping keeping Russell Wilson and the Broncos struggling from scoring until late? First of all, you think Daniel Hackett had a first tough first game? He was awful from the get-go. They had to call timeouts because the clock was winding down. They ran out of timeouts with 7.38 left because they had to use them. In all my decades covering the NFL, I have never seen a crowd chanting down the play clock so the coach and the quarterback would know what it was. And Wilson was completed less than 50% through one touchdown pass, the only touchdown of the game, and he won. But Texans defense played pretty well. But let me tell you, that Broncos offense for Hackett calling the plays is discombobulated. There it is. There it is right there. Well, John, thank you so much for your time, my man. I appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Here in DeMond, thank you guys very much as always. There you go. John McClain, gallerysports.com is where you can find his work. Sports Radio 610 right there in H-Town. You can find his work and, of course, on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And he's with us every single Tuesday at 3 o'clock. I had to ask him that question, though, because I kept monitoring the score of the Bronco game. And I was like, man, are the Texas defense, is it that great? Why are they slowing them down? And it sounds like early reviews on Nathaniel Hackett, even though they have a dub, ain't too hot. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where people like, let's say Brian Flores, 
this is my exhibit A when I take my case to the league. How does this guy have a job? And I think that it's, I don't know, we had a guest on maybe a week or two ago, and they said, hey, man, that it was about, are you going to get us Aaron Rodgers? Oh, that was Mike Greenberg. Yes, Mike Greenberg said yep. that words. I know you can't put that in the clause. Hey, man, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come after a month if you're hired, we're going to send you back. Right, right. But maybe that should have been in the clause because I don't see why this guy was hired. No, you know what's so funny, though, about that? And I laughed when Greeny said that to us because I remember when Hackett got hired, I kept saying, like, the only reason he got the job is because they thought Aaron Rodgers was coming with them. And everybody in Denver was like, no, 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 he's a great mind. He's a great offensive mind. Did you see the offense that they had? I was like, yes, they have Aaron Rodgers. They have Devontae Adams. They have uh, uh, the head coach, Matt LaFleur. Yeah, he's the one calling the shots, not Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, no, he's a great mind. Everyone in Denver, their media, swore up and down. Russell Wilson was the chosen one. No, he wasn't. He was option B. And sometimes I've been option B. So sometimes it's okay to be option B. (laughs) Hell, I've been option C or D. So it's okay sometimes. But that wasn't their first choice, right? And Nathaniel Hackett was their choice because they thought they were getting Rodgers. No doubt. Even when you see, like, I'll because I'm a big fan of what Mike McDaniel is doing down there in Miami. You see, Shocking. Where, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. That's been your guy for a long time before hey, you man. even got hired. Hey, man, the brother got a chance. But when you see where it's just like, oh, what he's going to do with this offense, all he's scheming up. I have not seen a clip of someone, hey, look at me, look at Nate Hackett, right. where it's just going right. to be, this is like the great scheme that he's going to bring to the team. Right. None of that. No, I haven't seen anything. There's nothing I ever heard that was like, hey, man, what Nathaniel Hackett's doing in Green Bay is fantastic. Never heard none of that. I heard that about McDaniel. I did, no doubt. Even though Kyle Shanahan calls the plays in San Francisco, I did hear about McDaniel being a sharp mind. Never heard nothing about Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe I'm under a rock, and if I am, fine. But I just never heard it. 318 is the time. By the way, being C or D option is okay. (laughs) So if you're out there and you're that C or D option, that's fine. I'm sure that I'm probably E or F when it came to the wife. I'm sure she probably selected me dead last. That's okay. She was probably like, damn it. All right, I guess I got to settle on this guy. Fine. 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 Even to this day, sometimes she just looks and says, "How, how the hell did this happen? How did I get stuck with this guy? <laughs> Someone asked me the other day, like, hey, how long have you guys been married? She's like, 10 years in October. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now you can totally tell. It was like, oh, man, this has been a bother. <laughs> this guy, I got to live this damn radio lifestyle now. 319 is the time. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r How much confidence do you have that this coaching staff can get things turned around started this week? Against the Tennessee Titans. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. On the two-point conversion play that took like seven minutes, I feel like. <laughs> what, was there something that you wanted to be done differently? Or is there is it just like one of those plays that just it develops? And- <laughs> A failed conversion. That was hell. <laughs> now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Defensive coordinator Patrick Graham right there talking about what he would like to happen when it came to Kyler Murray and that two-point conversion. Yeah, failed. <laughs> that would have been great, right? We'd have been talking about a 1-1 one one team instead of an 0-2 team, but here we are. Can't go back and change what happened. Uh, we're talking about confidence in this new coaching staff. Do you believe that they they have the goods to get it done where they turn things around quick, fast, in a hurry and don't fall to 0-3 against the Tennessee Titan team that, according to John McClain, who we just talked to in the last segment, is not very good. You saw the game last night. I, well, I did see the game, but I, I also realized who they were playing against. A team that is expected to go to the Super Bowl, Right. And a quarterback that's expected to be in the MVP conversation. Now, that doesn't mean that I think that the Raiders aren't a very talented team. I do think so. But, you know, when you're coming off 0-2 and you're 0-2 and the other team is 0-2, I mean, at that point, man, you just – all, 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 
all stops. You know, you, you go, you, you go through anything. Whatever you need to get that dub, you have to do. Right? I mean, that's in my opinion, that's what you have to do. Anything and everything to find a way to get a victory. You are a desperate team. So as much as I hear Tennessee's not good, Tennessee's not good, they still have Derrick Henry. I don't know about Ryan Tannehill. I've never believed in Ryan Tannehill. I do know they have Malik Willis waiting in the winds. I don't know if right now is the time to, to turn the, 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 the ball overs. I don't think it is. I know that the wide receivers are young after they let A.J. Brown go to the Eagles, and we see what he's doing in Philly, but I just know a desperate team is going to go out there and play like a desperate team, you know, back up against the wall and try to get things done. So Mailman Raider hit us up. Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Q, I think confidence with the coaching staff will grow with, with time. We say the players need to find their groove, but so does the coaching staff. History will suggest that we shouldn't have confidence, but can only grow with time and repetition. That's fair. That's fair. I like that. Uh, Got another text from the 707. I don't know what it is, but there's something going on between Carr and Waller on the field. After playing together for three years, you'd think that they'd have that chemistry, but they just don't. I can't figure out why, but it's affecting the offense. It seems like Renfro and Carr seem to be a little off, too. What's going on? I'm really starting to feel like it was a mistake not to bring Versace and Bradley back with the new offensive coordinator. So uh, there's a text right there that doesn't sound too confident in the coaching staff and thinks that there's something between Carr and Waller. I just think it's everyone in this new offense you know, getting on the same page and understanding their role and understanding what they're supposed to be doing and where they're supposed to be. I think that there's a lot to have to do with that. I know the players have been together uh, for longer than, you know, just this year outside of Carr and Adams, but remember, it's a new scheme as well. So they're all still learning, uh, you know, the routes. They're learning the, the plays. I mean, they're learning a lot of different things that they didn't have to do because they were already in that same system for, you know, three, four years under Gruden, and then obviously Basaccia, Greg Olson, and so on and so forth. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Jared, right here in Vegas. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? Damon, thanks for having me on today. For sure. Look, um, my confidence is at as low as it could be. Look, okay. it, let's do it with the facts. The facts are that we're a bottom five team in the league. Mm. I mean, you are what your record says you are. We're 0-2, and, and we've averaged about 20 points a game. So that's where we're at. Okay. Um, by any means necessary, that's what has to happen. And um, my my take in uh, my take on the game, especially in the second half, is that they came after Derek Carr with about it looked like eight men in the box every stinking play, and they wanted to see if we were going to adjust. And guess what? We didn't do. We didn't adjust. We did, they, for whatever reason, the Daniels didn't show an ability to make an adjustment. I know we got an offensive line that is struggling to say the least, right? It's, it's, it's a struggle, but um, the, the fact that he, he didn't, didn't come up with anything different. Like we've seen him in the Super Bowl getting in the, getting in the, the huddle with his, with his group, trying to come up with something, something to change the momentum. I didn't see that on Sunday. Um, it's not like he needs to call the defense. Patrick Graham is supposed to have it covered. And, and, and Mr. Graham himself, he didn't, he didn't seem to have any adjustments for what Arizona was doing. And I get it. He's trying to play cute with, uh, with Mr. Hill's questioning. But I hope he wasn't playing cute with the team because with the team, I think I wish he would have had, I hope he would have had, you know, the, the, the ability to admit that, hey, I dropped my best pass rusher in a zone and he was scrambling left and right like he's some sort of coverage linebacker instead of getting after the quarterback. 20 seconds later, dude skips into the end zone. So um, my confidence is at an all-time low. Okay. I don't believe that this, this staff has shown anything. And 
again with the facts, Josh lost his last eight in Denver, and he's 0-2 with the Raiders. So, I mean, like my like the man Billy Parcells used to say, you are what your record says you are. And right now, he needs a lot of improvement. Stop talking about everybody else until you start talking about yourself. All right, there it is. Jared in Vegas bringing the heat right there. And, you know, you talked about uh, making adjustments and getting into the huddle like you did in, in New England. Uh, my man P.E. in North Carolina actually brought up a really good point. He sent me a text. He said, yo, Q, what up, brother? Did you hear Josh McDaniel say yesterday after Vinny asked the question that at the end of the day, you have to call a play that the players can execute? That's huge. Tells me that the team as a whole doesn't have a handle of the playbook yet. And that goes back to what uh, we just heard from Jerry talking about, hey, uh, you know, call call something, make some adjustments, do something else. So that's one, That's another thing. Maybe the, the team doesn't have the full understanding yet of the playbook. You know, and, and look, that's what happened with Coach McDaniels last year in New England, right? When he had Mac Jones as a rookie quarterback, he wasn't able to open up the book and call everything. He could only call what he knew that Mac Jones understood and had digested. So that's also something to think about. P.E., we definitely appreciate that text, my man. And, uh, Jared, thank you for that call. How about Raider X? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, guys? Chilling. Hey, everything you guys are talking about are spot on. And um, I think it's a little bit of everything that, uh, you know, getting comfortable. And I, I think uh, your boy, uh, you know, Ryan Clark, hit it. You know, he talked about the, the atmosphere over at the practices. And he said that, you know, it's a little, a little, a little, uh, what do you call it, tense or a little stiff. There you go. He said it's a little stiff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going back to looking at, you know, the Patriot way or going back to a mastermind. Well, a mastermind has that, you know, he's painting this painting and he wants everything to be scripted. I, I want to see, you know, a little bit of deviation, you know, a little thing of, you know, it, it's, it's kind of also going back to what Mark Davis talked about, you know, why he wanted McDaniels. You know, not changing week to week, not changing half to half, but he was talking about series to series. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't see that, and it looks like they're really, really playing on everything is supposed to be picture perfect, scripted, and I think it's it's causing uh, Derek Carr to get a little ruffled. He looks a little flustered. He looks a little bit out of sync. So some of the other players look a little bit out of sync, and it's just not flowing that way. And, and as you know, we can have a plan all day. It's like having a road trip vacation. And all of a sudden, you know, you get a blowout, your car breaks down. Sometimes the best trips are, man, you're winging it and just go with the flow. Let, you, you got some dogs out there. Let them run. Let them run. You know, I mean, you, simple, simple uh, you know, example is look at what Murray did to us. Mm-hmm. He played schoolyard ball. He just, he just made it happen. And I'm sorry, you know, but Derek Carr is not going to carry the team, but he can sure lead the team. And he's a vital component of this team. We need him on board. And if he needs to dummy down that, that, that playbook a little bit and go back to Derek Carr's roots and, you know, have some plays in there that Carr is familiar with, hey, come on. You know, the first season, let's do a little bit of mix and let it roll. Mm-hmm. You know, we we, we got to make it flow. You know, everybody's talking about, you know, hey, McDaniel, I, I think that he has the talent. And I, I, I and we talked about, what did you say about the trust? Yep. I don't have much trust. Okay. I really, I really don't, but I think collectively with the group that we have there, we have some brainiacs, and I think Dave uh, Dave Ziegler also is going to you know is seeing this. He's going to he's going to round it up, and I think there's going to be a little bit of compromise overall, and they're going to pull out of it. I think you're going to see a lot of success, and in no better time against Flanders of the Titans, you know, a win's going to solve a lot of issues and. Right now, I think internally they're probably pointing fingers. There you go. Hey, great call, my man. I appreciate you. Yeah, winning cures all. 
Simple as that. Winning cures all. You start winning, you get on a little bit of a, a win streak, and look, they got three more games before they go on their bye. You know, they have t- the Tennessee this week, then they have Denver at home, and then they have Kansas City Monday Night Football on the road, and then they're on their bye. That's a tough, that's a tough out, man. Those three games are going to be tough outs. Ideally, they win at least two of those games. Ideally, they win three, right? To be honest, they win all three, that'd be great. But, I mean, they've got to at least to, to try to somewhat keep pace. You've got to find a way to win at least two. You go into the bye two and three, yeah, it's not looking great. But maybe you can come out of there with the Houston Texans and get on a, a little bit of a win, even up your record, and just roll. By that time, there should be – I mean, there's no excuses now, in my opinion. But by then, there should be no excuses about not being on the same page. Uh, let's get one more call. Mitch in, New Jer- Mitch in New Jersey, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Just kidding. Mitch is gone. Sorry about that, Mitch. You must be out delivering. How about the voice of reason? Welcome to the show. What are you doing over there? Are you struggling? Are you on the struggle bus? Or did you just have everybody hang up on me? They're all gone. <laughs> all right. No problem. Well, Mitch in New Jersey, I apologize. Voice of Reason, I apologize. And John, I apologize. Call us back. 702-365-9200. We'll definitely get to uh, your calls. Got a text right here from uh, Javier in Denver. Q, I'm looking forward to next year, fellas. We're done. And it's time to play spoiler. That's after two games, brother. That's after two games, man. Don't be me. Don't be me. I put a, I put a fork in them last year. I said there ain't no way they're going to win four in a row. And they went and won four in a row. Don't 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 uh don't put a fork in them already, man. It's only two weeks. I think that that's a little premature. But I understand where you're coming from. I understand the frustration. But thank you so much for that text, Javier. I appreciate it. One more East Bay Raider, Greg Q. Maybe I'm being pessimistic. Well, as long as you don't say that the season's over after two, like Javier, you might be all right. He said, the way things are going with the Raiders, they'll knock Tannehill out the game and Willis will come out and light them up. Like you said, got to pull out all the st- uh, stops to win this game. O-line can't allow pressure. Simmons up the middle to stop D.C. climbing the pocket. That's from East Bay Raider Gray, and that would be the Raiders' luck, right? Uh, and not that I'm ever going to root for an injury, but just say Tannehill were to you know, somehow end up out of the game and all of a sudden Willis comes in as like rookie of the year, right? just lights it up all over the field. That Must have seen him when he got in last night. They were already out of the game, though, at that point. I mean, at that point, are you excited? You know, like if if we go two hours and do a terrible show and I say, you know what, Demond, I'm out of here. You go ahead and do the last hour, and you're like, wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on, you're leaving me with this crap. Like I don't want this now. Like give me, give me, give me a chance. So I don't think he had a chance to, you know. He didn't, but I did put out a tweet that was like, hey, there's still time for one more crazy comeback in week two, right? And then he had like a first down run. And then he gets tackled, ball pops right out. Right. And, and, you know, that's just the way the game's going. That's And sometimes that's how it is. So that's just how the game's rolling. 702-365-9200. We'll get to some calls. We'll get to some more texts. We'll do that. And we'll also hear from Amik Robertson in the Raiders locker room following the game. We'll also hear from Nate Hobbs because, as you know, DBs win games. It's all coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Lincoln Kennedy will join us at 4 o'clock, talk all things silver and black, see what he saw while he was in the booth with Jason Horowitz calling the game on Sunday, besides the fact that he saw a collapse in the second half. But we'll get the details from Lincoln Kennedy. He's always great at breaking everything down as he does on the broadcast. He'll break it down with us coming up in about 20 minutes. But we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. We have Amik Robertson on the way. We have Nate Hobbs in the Raiders locker room following the loss to the Cardinals on Sunday. You'll hear that in a matter of minutes. But right now, I want to go out to Toronto, talk to our guy Dino. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Hugh? God bless you, man. I love you. I love you guys. You guys uh, start off my morning every day with your podcast and uh, listen to you at the mod every, every night on my way home up here. 
and I'm just blessed to have you guys on the radio. So thank you very much for that. Appreciate you, brother. Um, the, only, the only point I want to bring up is, you know, I'm a, I, I, I will say this. I'm the biggest Derek Carr supporter. I, I think Derek Carr is our answer. But you know what? Over the last little while, I've noticed that he just doesn't close out stuff. Even when we're winning games, I mean, he talks about a lot, you know, um, God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant. You know, he talks about mama mentality. And I don't know if you recall a few years back, Kobe came up here and dropped 81 points on the Raps. Yep. And I'll tell you one thing. At 77 points, Kobe was thinking about getting 79, and he did. And when he had 79 points, Kobe was thinking about getting 81, and he did. And he didn't, he didn't let his foot off the gas. And sometimes, I don't know how this is going to come across, but when you got someone down, man, you got to step on their neck. you got to put them out. Yep. And um, we just didn't do it. Uh, I hope they can learn from this. I, I still believe this team is super talented. Um, I, I, I just uh, I just can't figure out why they don't. Uh, and I've been a Raider fan since 1976. I'm in my 50s, man. So I've been following this team since I was like seven years old. Nice. And um, they've always they've always they've always had this issue. And it's not a Derek Carr thing or a current Raider thing, but man, we've had so many games where we had guys like we had teams put out after the first or second quarter, and we let them walk right back in. And the fact that it happened at our home opener, I mean, sucks, but. I just I would like to see that killer mentality, man. That mama mentality, man. I bet you if Kobe had more time, he'd get eighty three, eighty five, probably get a hundred. I mean, he wasn't going to stop. So I mean, uh, put the pedal to the metal, man. When you got someone down, you got to put them out. Lights out. And there, there's no mercy, man. After the game, hug it out, pray it out. But man, in between the four quarters, you got to ice this. You got to put these guys out. That's all I got to say. Hey, great call, my man. And I agree with you 100%. Something that I talked about on the show yesterday, you got to have that killer mentality, man. When they're down and you can see that blood in the water, you got to go get it. You absolutely got to go get it. When the blood's out there, you got to be like a shark. You know what do they always say? When the sharks are hovering, don't 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 be bleeding in the water because that shark will come get you. It's a wrap. Yeah, I mean, you just got to put them out. And I, I love the, you know, talking about having the mamba mentality because that's Derek Carr's guy. He's talked about Kobe many times. That's his dude. And you, I mean... Kobe would get that look in his face, and he those teeth would come out his 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 mouth and everything, and you knew you were in trouble. You knew Kobe Bean Bryant was about to handle his business, and you were going to be a victim. There was nothing you could do. At some point, you've got to get that mentality where we are better than you, and there's nothing you could do to stop us. And we're going to show you right now. That's what the Raiders need to uh, you know they they need to do that. Get into that mode. Flip it into the ma- that mode. You're absolutely right. And it's I'm so, sorry to say. It's got to start on Sunday. It's got to start on Sunday against Tennessee. Uh, they can't afford to go down 0-3 and lose two out of the three games that they've played in a- uh, AFC opponents. You just can't do that. And then you have, oh, by the way, three more AFC opponents coming up, or two more AFC opponents, excuse me, coming up before you hit the bye week. You just can't do it. So uh, thank you for that call, my man. I appreciate you. We'll take some more calls and text at 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. But let's go ahead and hear from Meek Robertson. He had his first career interception on Sunday, uh, which was great, and unfortunately it was in defeat. And it's funny, we talked on, what, Friday about players who are we going to be talking about on Monday? As soon as Amik came up with that interception, I was like, Amik Robertson, that's what we're going to be talking about. He made a big play, came up with a big interception. Mac Hollins was having a good game. I thought, Mac Hollins is another guy we'll be talking about on Monday. I'm thinking about the show from Friday while I'm sitting in the booth on Sunday, already talking about Monday's show. And then all of a sudden, the collapse happened. So I thought Amik Robertson was a guy that we'd be talking about quite a bit. And really, we should be anyway. It just got overshadowed. His performance got overshadowed by the loss on Sunday. But here's Amik Robertson in the locker room following the game, talking about or starting off talking about how difficult it is to play a guy like Kyler Murray. 
Like I said before, that's just something that we prepare for at practice. You know, us as athletes, us as professionals, we got to stay in shape and prepare for moments like that. You know, we prepare for it, you know, at, at our practice. And like, like I said before, Kyle's going to make his play. So I, I guess in that moment, he just, you know, he became a great football player and made a, made a play. So, you know, win or lose, you have to move on to the NFL, yes. right? No matter what it is. Definitely. Is, is it diff more difficult in a game like this, or is it the same as every week? I mean, you know, a tough loss like this always hurts. Yeah. You know, it's, it always hurts. But at the end of the day, we had a long season. You know, we had a, uh, you know, we had 24, like I said before, we had 24 hours to feel sorry for ourselves, whatever. And tomorrow, get back to the drawing board, continue focusing on the details and the little, little things. Because at the end of the day, this is a game of inches. Today was your, your first pick, right? Yes, sir. Everyone, yeah, like, kind of bittersweet in the fact that you get, you know, a monumental uh, accomplishment like that in a day because you guys ended up losing the game. Yeah, I mean, it was a great, great feeling. You know, you know, I, the last time I touched the football was probably, you know, caught an interception was in college. You know, I, so, of course, it was a great feeling, you know, but the most important, I wanted to win, you know. So, I, you know, it's, it's kind of a 50-50 feeling, you know, kind of 50-50 kind of feel mad, you know, feel good about the pick, but also, you know, I feel devastated about the loss. As a DB, how difficult is it to kind of to prepare or play against a quarterback when he has that much time back there and, you know, he's, he's running around, running around, running? Uh, sometimes, if, if you know it's difficult for yourself, you, you just listen to your coaches, you know, because they they going to come up with a great, great game, game plan to kind of contain players like that. Like, like I said before, Carlos is a great, great player. So, you know, the coaches, you know, kind of want us to focus on the details to kind of slow them down just, just a little bit. How do you approach a, a game like this when you know you let one slip and get away and, and be able to clear it and, and get back to the, you know, get to the ground? Continue focusing on the little things, man. Like I said, it's a game of inches. Can't feel sorry for yourself, us as a defense, us as a whole team and offense. Mm -hmm. Just dig deeper and eliminate, you know, some mistakes. You know, the defense made mistakes, the offense made mistakes. You know, like, like Coach McDaniel said, you know, we eliminate the, the mistakes, you know, us as a team will come out successful. Amik Robertson right there in the locker room following the Raiders' loss. And uh, I tell you, I enjoy listening to Amik. You know, I feel like he has a real positive attitude. He was a guy I didn't even think was going to make the roster. I remember before cutdowns, that final uh, game against the Patriots, that final, that fourth preseason game, I was like, man, this might be Amik Robertson's last game. And he went out there and balled out, made the 53-man roster, and he's continued to compete. You know, I mean, I know the Raiders are 0-2, but there's guys you see out there busting their backside. Max Crosby's one. Amik Robinson's another. Nate Hobbs is another. He had an interception that got called back because of a holding penalty that, yeah, whatever. You know, it, it was a penalty for sure. It was. But, you know, as, 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 a, as a guy that roots for defensive players anyway, it's so funny. I was sitting in the press box when that interception happened with Nate Hobbs, and I was thinking, man, it'd be cool if the Raiders came up with an interception or a turnover right now to preserve the, the shutout in the first half. And then Nate Hobbs came up with that play, and I was like, damn. Like, I'm a genius. And then, of course, he gets called back, right? So I was like, okay, whatever. And then Amik Robertson, a couple plays later, comes up with the interception. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's, that's awesome. That's what we've been talking about on the show, creating turnovers, you know, creating uh, moments when you have the opportunity to go make it. That interception Amik had, that wasn't no easy pick. That wasn't like it just came right to him. I mean, it, he, he knew where he was supposed to be. He played in the right spot, and he went up and had to climb the ladder to go make the interception. That was a hell of a play. That's not easy, but he made it. Exactly, and I saw in someone's film breakdown, I want to say it was uh, Brian Baldinger, where he said the patience that he had to show to not want to go up and pursue right. Kyler Murray, but to stay patient and to basically, as they always say, do your job yep. and stay there in the flat. So those are the type of plays where you see the interception, but it's also just that patience of not wanting to go up there and, hey, I'm going to be the hero right. and get and make this play on Kyler Murray. Because who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want it? You see Kyler Murray in the open field, you're like, oh, I'm about to give this dude the business. Like, bow, right? And instead, he, he stayed back, stayed patient, understood his keys, and understood where the guy was behind him. 
so he can make a play. And Amik Robertson, you got to give him a lot of credit for coming up with that interception. But again, before that, Nate Hobbs, he came up with the interception that got called back because of a holding penalty. Uh, but I think he's still in for a really big year. Nate's out there uh, competing. He's out there making tackles. That's what makes DBs really good. The ones that can not only cover, but they don't mind putting their head in there and going and tackling and getting a little bit dirty. Nate Hobbs is that guy. Following the game, he had this to say. I'm sure you've been in a lot of football games, seen a lot of things mm-hmm. happen. Um, how unusual was this kind of a loss? Um, it was very, it was just very, uh, honestly, I don't think I've been a part of nothing exactly like that. But it just shows you got to keep that mentality to all four zeros on the clock. Because if not, then it's potentially you can't lose the game. So I just think we got to finish. Finish should be the, the word of the week next morning, next week. Um, you, obviously, there's a lot of football left to still play 15 games, but how do you guys make sure that this thing doesn't kind of linger on and, and, and affect you guys in your next game and just moving forward? Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of teams. Most teams who go to the Super Bowl feel like that record was, wasn't great. You know what I'm saying? That record wasn't they, they might have lost the first two games of the season. we got to put that behind us. The last season, whether we won or we lost, next week we would have came into the game like last week doesn't matter. Plain blank, period. All we could do is go in, watch the film, correct the mistakes, but last week doesn't matter. So, you know what I'm saying? We're going to attack uh, next week that we've been attacking every day since we started camp. Last week was somewhat of a very clean game, only three penalties. Yeah. I think you had like three within the, by the end of the first or second or middle second quarter. Um, that you talk about the little things; those are things that need to be cleaned up. That had to have played a big part and, and sort of affect your guys' mindset every time you seem to make a big play, you get a penalty. Yeah, that just comes down to discipline, and um, if it is, you know, what I'm saying something that we can't help, we can only control. We can control. We feel like. Oh, that wasn't just that wasn't that. All we could do is go on the film and get better off of it and try to keep it to a minimum. Nate, I, I want to say you guys were 63 snaps. It might have been in the second half defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, were you guys kind of feeling it a little bit in that late in that second half defensively? I mean, I don't, I don't really think that matters. If you on you step foot on that football field, you know what comes with it. So both teams was probably tired. You know what I'm saying? It was a long game, but that's football. So. Does he become in the second half of this feed a little more difficult to defend the two-point conversion where you have everything covered and you just can't, I, I guess, prepare for something like that? Yeah, definitely. That's that's what happens when you play a super dynamic quarterback who can not only win uh, with his arm, but when he can run um, outside the pocket and make plays just like a running back. It just makes it really tough to defend. and um, We just got to do a better job of having eyes um, on the quarterback or quarterbacks like that. There's Nate Hobbs right there in the locker room following the game. And uh, I love Nate Hobbs' mentality. I mean, I really do. You know, he's always even keel. He's never, you know, going to make excuses. He's similar to Josh Jacobs. Those guys never going to make excuses for anything. Like he said, hey, man, if you step on the football field, you know what it is. You know what time it is. You know, if you got to go out there and play 63 snaps on defense, you got to go out there and play 63 snaps on defense. The other team's offense is tired, too, because they've been on the field 63 snaps. So I love the mentality from Nate Hobbs and just think he's going to continue to get better and better and better. And they're going to need some plays this week coming up against the Tennessee Titans. One thing I know about Ryan Tannehill, he'll give you an opportunity to come up with some picks. (laughs) He'll give you some opportunities. You just got to go make the plays. Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Eddie in L.A. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? 
What's up, Q? What's going on, brother? You know, one of the things I've noticed about this team in two weeks, and two losses, doesn't seem like they have an identity. Doesn't seem like they're confident in what in the in the coaching scheme at times. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of undisciplined play, especially you know this past game. I think I think it's the good sign, and I think all of it is correctable. I think they're going to be out. You go out there and do a much cleaner job, but. If you're Josh McDaniels, you've got to figure out a way to get Adams involved a lot more than what he did in this game. And this was just pathetic. I know fans went and called and complained about the Charger game and going to him too much. Uh, yeah, now you see why we need to be going to him. We need to run the offense through Adams, okay, through Adams and through Waller. And forget about the other stuff. Run the ball. Jacobs was just tearing it up. I mean, he just got a little too cute. That's why I think I still have confidence in this team, and I still think this team can still find a way to make it to the playoffs. Just caution everybody. Last year, they went on a losing streak. Everybody thought the wheels were coming off. Here we go again. And they went out, and they did what they, everybody thought they couldn't do. Right. So all, all of the past precedent doesn't matter. It's what they're going to do now. So just keep the faith, Raider Nation. I'm out. Raiders! Eddie in L.A., great call, man. Great call. And, yeah, I was one of those. I was one of those last year that thought they can't do it. They cannot win four in a row, and they did. I have no problem admitting it then. And I've and Demond, you're my witness. I've said it to players. I've said it to players that 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 were on the show. I said, hey, I I did not think you were in this position. You guys could pull that off. And they said, well, we love that. But I, I said it to them. I had no problem admitting that. I I, I doubted you. Just what it is. And I think it last well for last season. It was just when KJ Wright. That was that turning point for mm-hmm. them. But I'm not saying that you need like that big rallying cry right. at the second game of the season. But something does have to change. Of course. And it could just be, hey, the Titans go out and lay another egg. And that'd make it a little bit easier for you. I like what Eddie said, though, about identity. Yes. What is the Raiders' identity right now? No clue. There you go. That's, that's, That's a great point that Eddie just brought up. Don't really know what the identity is. I know that they could be a pass first team with all the weapons they have. I also realize they could be a run first team because of, well, the running game and the running backs that they have. I think there's a lot. Yeah, there's, there's, that's a great point. What is the Raiders' identity? That's something that maybe next time, I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow or not, but next time we have an opportunity to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels, maybe that's a question we ask him. What is, in your vision, is the Raiders' identity? I don't think that's a disrespectful question. It's not me, you know, poking, poking the bear. It's just saying, hey, you know, wh- what would you ideally like this your, your identity to be for this Raiders team? One quick text from uh, Javier in Colorado. He followed up on the Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword r Check your stats, Q. We are done for the season. That's why I mentioned it's time to play spoiler. Great show, fellas. Again, Javier in Colorado. And I respect every call. I respect every text. I don't have to agree with them, just like you don't have to agree with me. And I don't believe that the season is over after two losses. And there's really not enough stats that I can look at that would tell me that the Raiders' season is over after an 0-2 start. 3.55 is the time. We'll come back. We'll talk to Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network, former Raider offensive lineman. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.